0: Yo, what up? Welcome to Free Refills Podcast, where we come together as youth leaders to discuss the realities of leading in youth ministry. Our hope is that you leave refilled, refueled, and re-energized to carry on in ministry. I'm your host, Boss, coming to you from Indianapolis, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dusty. What's up? Coming to you from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Every episode we have a special guest joining us and there's going to be some sound clips from a conversation that Dusty and I had with our CEO, Randy Davis. Um, And we wanted to, uh, we'll we'll introduce him and all that sort of stuff in a little bit. But before uh, we jump into that, we're going to take um, uh, just a second to kind of set this up because this is going to be the first of many conversations uh, in a string of conversations uh, from our organization, whether that's here on this podcast platform, maybe it's in a different arena. Um, but in light and, and in our current reality of what's been going on in current events and, in and around our nation with uh, the racial tensions and the protests and the movements that are happening, um, we we need to talk about this. We need to talk about the injustice that's happened. And we're going to focus on conversations. Um, on how to be better in ministry and how to have conversations with our, with our teenagers in our youth ministries and with our leaders. Um, and like I said, it's just a string of conversations. We're not going to get it right. Um, quite honestly, uh, we're probably going to say some things wrong. Um, we hope that you stay with us um, and we're going to do our very best. We're doing our very best to listen first and be in spaces where we can listen. Uh, Us as a staff, we've been having conversations around this for a while, um, and we want to continue to have conversations because it's that important to us, and we want to talk with you about it. So that's why we're here. Um, And also, the other thing is our organization has been around for several years, um, quite a few actually, Um, but the fact is that we haven't had this platform until now. Um, so maybe there's some some of you that maybe you're listening and you're going, why haven't they said anything? Why didn't they say anything before? I wasn't on staff. Dusty wasn't on staff. Um, several of us weren't on staff. And In fact, our staff has grown in the last few years exponentially. And many of us who care deeply about this um, and have the space to talk about this, we're here now. And so that's what we're doing. We're, we're, we're going to talk about it. But again, maybe you're getting a little tense, and you're not so sure about this conversation. Maybe you're not right with us yet. Um, Hang with us, just hang with us. Um, And maybe some of you are here, going. Finally, they're here, and we're here. So we're going to have this conversation. So, Dusty, we're going to have a conversation, Um, and then, like I said, we're gonna we're gonna launch into a few a few things that came from our, our CEO, Randy Davis. Um, so we're going to share a few clips in a second, but before we jump in, Dusty, you want to say something?
1: Yeah. I mean, what we have to be, uh, just to be 100% real is we knew that we had this platform when we started receiving texts from youth pastors in the midst of this going like, Hey, what do you guys have resources? Hey, uh, can you, what are you guys saying? Like, um, and I think that we have to make sure that this is a youth ministry issue. We see that, the, yeah. that our country with Generation Z that's coming through is one of the most heavily diverse generations to come through. If we're not going to talk about it as a church or as ministries, um, we're going to miss them. And so uh, we want to be here to support our youth pastors. Uh, we want to be a voice for them. We want to encourage them in this process. We want to say, hey, you're not alone in this process. Um, we're not, you're not alone in this journey. Uh, regardless of what where you 're serving urban suburban rural doesn 't matter we 're all in this together, so that that generation that 's coming through will always get to know that hey the church stood for stood with uh, where they stood and 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 we encourage jude 's pastors through that so um, so like boss said, just hang with us um, we got some people who who on our team are are deeply uh, deeply moved and and we are, we as an organization have been doing uh, the work quote unquote uh, for for some time now and, and we're looking to continue that work. This is just one of many conversations uh, that we know that has to be had. This isn't just something that we say, like we say, uh, and then just walk away from. So um, we want to be here. We want to, we want to know, we want to learn. So if you're hearing this and we, and you're, and you have resources too, that we can learn from, you know, how to reach us. Uh, And we're, we're happy to listen
0: for sure. For sure. So um, we're going to jump in and uh, we're going to share some, uh, like we said before, we're going to share some clips from our CEO, Randy Davis. Um, And then uh, we're going to talk about it and then we're going to come back and we're going to bounce between them. Uh, So uh, Dusty and I are going to have a dialogue about it. So here's the first clip um, as he kind of sets up some things and kind of shares with his heart about why he's been so moved um, lately.
2: This was kind of the middle one of a series of things I wrote to you guys. Um, Back at the 1st of May and we're in the midst of a big event that we were trying to do and the video of the killing of Mr. Aubrey down in Georgia came out and I paid attention to the video and I just watched it and I, I was mad. I was just flat out mad. Um, It was wrong. Gosh, painfully wrong. Um, And the more I watched it, the more my mind started going back in a lot of different parts of my life. Um, 24 years ago, I had the opportunity to be in South Africa. I was there with three other white youth pastors that were doing youth ministry trainings across the country, just trying to help speak into the lives of youth leaders, um, which was fascinating in itself because of the cultural differences and things that we had to figure out and work through. But one of the things that happened is when we were in Johannesburg, we wanted to go to Soweto and we really, we weren't allowed to, it just wasn't safe. They, they didn't want three guys from the states going into Soweto, a township hmm. that um where riots started in 1976, which really started the downfall of the government, um, the apartheid government in South Africa. And so we wanted to go in and we we couldn't. So one of the guys that we were working with, one of the pastors over there, used to be in the military, so he called his military buddies. And so we all got an escort, a military escort to go hmm. in. So that was kind of unique all in itself. Um, but as we all got into this armored military Humvee kind of thing, um, we started talking to one of the gentlemen that was in there, one of the military guys who could speak English. And we're kind of joking around. And so I said to him, you my bodyguard. Yes, yes sir, that's my deployment for the day. I was like, excuse me, <laughs> do I need one? I mean, is this real? And
0: mm.
2: the more we talked, it was just fascinating. So he's the guy who trailed me all day. In the midst of all of that, we stopped at the center, the town center uh, of that township, Soweto. And they had at that point a makeshift museum because it's where the riot started. Now it's got a huge big museum building there and it's really kind of neat. But um, at the time it was just a bunch of old cargo crates that um, they had put pictures and mementos and different things that had taken place in 76. and. I'm standing there and I'm staring at this picture. That's a very, it's now a famous picture of this 13 year old kid that was killed. Gosh, I get emotional every time I talk about it. Um, and I watched that picture and I turned to this guy who was my bodyguard in the moment and I said to him, how does this make you feel? you're standing here guarding me a white guy from the States because of what took place in this very spot in 1976. And he said to me, uh, I grew up here. I remember these riots and I said, how do you, how are you okay with guarding me right now? And he said, you know, both sides made mistakes. We need, I'll never forget this. We need to learn from each other and we've got to do better.
0: So uh, to give you a little bit of context, um, what you heard was uh, at the very beginning of that, of that clip was that Randy had sent um, a couple emails uh, to our staff. And one of those uh, that he sent to us turned into a blog post, which will be in the show notes and you can you can find the link for that and, and read it yourself. And this came uh, from an honest place. Like I said, this was a string, this was an email to our staff. It was not meant and intended to go public, um, but it was from his heart and he wanted, we felt like it needed to be shared. And so that's what he's referring to and why it, um, the the murder of, of Matt Arbery was, so impactful to him and that is what he's discussing and what ran through his mind in that moment.
1: Yeah. And I think that there's some really, um, there's a really good moment when he's talking about standing in that, that place, uh, that, that there was so much pain. Um, they made a memorial of it. You know what I mean? Like he's standing in the midst of this. Um, and I think that there's a a piece that we get, we as youth pastors, um, we as this people uh, who, who probably happen to be white like he was in this moment, kind of like want to ask, hey, how does this make you feel? You know, and I think that's really important to think about uh, and how good that is that this needs to remind us that we have to ask these kind of questions.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Hey, are you okay? Uh, I, I've been tracking a lot of just different social media posts and a lot of them have said all the same things. Hey, are you checking in? With your, you know, with, with your black friends? Are you, are you checking in with your African-American leaders of, of, of your community? Are, are you literally checking in with them and, and asking them that same question? Hey, how, how are you? Are you okay? How is this making you feel? Hmm. And allowing them to verbally process. And, and maybe if you, if you haven't done that, do it. And, and but I also wanna warn you, um, please give them the space to basically say whatever they need to say. Um, and allow your, allow you to have a, a, maybe a hard conversation, mm. um, because it's the only way. And I think that he, he continues to say, you know, whether both sides made mistakes when he says that we need to learn. And I think mm. that's where we're at right now
0: mm.
1: is that we, as, as white brothers and sisters in Christ, we just need to be able to learn from a different point of view.
0: Yeah. 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 A hundred percent. For this next part um we we ask Randy why why now um I think a lot of people are being are are being asked that question, and a lot of us are are yeah. asking that question even ourselves of why now what's what makes this different in our own self what's what's causing us to do anything at at this point, maybe when we haven't done things in the past so have a listen to what Randy had to say.
2: Yeah. To me, it's a soul search question. And you know, you might say, well, I have the desire, but I'm not quite sure. Uh, in some aspects it could be, well, I don't know what to do. But when I think of that soul search and the typical soul search that we need to do periodically, it does come down to, do I just really not care enough to do something different or am I afraid to do what needs to be different? Mm -hmm. I think that's the soul search. We could talk about a variety of issues. Uh, that will cause us to have that soul search and, and these become the two sides of that spectrum to figure out. Mm. Um, so I don't think that these are just germane just to this issue. I think it's very much, uh, I, am I afraid, am I afraid to do what I know is different because I'm afraid of the outcomes
0: Mm.
2: or do I just not care enough to, to make the change that needs to be made? So that... Mm. I think from asking that question, uh, that pair of questions, it's really that uh, understanding the spectrum of where you're at to try and sort through that when you do the soul search. And I think that's a legitimate piece of, of a soul search.
0: So I think what's interesting about what Randy pointed out is, is that there's a fear for a lot yeah. of us. Yeah. For a lot of people, there's a fear. To step out into the unknown. And the fear is not of God. The fear is from the evil one. Yeah. We're afraid of being ridiculed. We're afraid of being seen as, well, why now? Like you didn't do it before. And are you doing this just because? And you know, it is because it's, it's the trend or it's a fad or it's what everybody else is doing. Maybe we're afraid of being canceled. So we say something, we do something so that we don't get canceled. But then again, there are some of us that are in, is stuck in a place that they go, that we think, but if I do, if I say the wrong thing, I'm going to get canceled. Now we'll talk about cancel culture, a whole different podcast. That's not this, that's not what we're here for. I know for myself that this is a very real, this was a very real thing. That fear was the thing that kept me from doing something. It kept me from saying anything publicly. Privately, and when I mean publicly, I mean on social media, because that's all all of our ways of, of being public. I've I've done work. I've been in groups. I'm in groups. I lead I lead the I you know I'm in spaces that are are with people that don't look like me. I put myself in spots where I am the minority intentionally. And that's not to brag. That's not that's not trying to lift myself up and make make you think that I'm I'm really good at this. But here's why here's why it's a big deal to me. I grew up in an all black neighborhood in selma alabama the selma in which dr martin luther king marched across a bridge and marched to montgomery during the civil rights movement i grew up one of three white kids in a black neighborhood and the other two were my brother and my sister I have friends still to this day from that neighborhood and from growing up in that time that I ran around with I played basketball I I did everything with they were they were our extended family they were people that came over they were in the south if people come to your back door they're back door neighbors and back door neighbors are family to you they were back door neighbors they came to they came that was how we interacted and that's how we felt. We had this bond. I know the names, I know the faces. And so when, when I see videos, countless videos of men and women being murdered senselessly yeah. because of the color of their skin, I see my brothers and my sisters yeah. and I see the names and the faces of my friends. Yeah and fear has held me from doing things because i was afraid of doing something wrong i was afraid of being seen by a certain community that maybe they were going to they were going to turn on me and the certain community was people that looked like me and i was afraid of that and I'm not afraid anymore because I've realized I've called it what it was. I named what it was. And I realized that there's no place for that. God didn't put me on this earth. God didn't wire me the way I'm wired to not say something. For those of you who are Enneagram people, I'm an eight. And justice runs deep in everything I do. And so when there's an injustice in the world, I'm ready to kick some doors down. And so more than ever, no other time than today am I ready to go and I'm ready to speak out, and, but I'm also ready to be in spaces and be better and learn and be in spaces where I'm with people that don't look like me and don't sound like me and don't think like me because I want to be better. I want my life to be enriched by the fullness of this world and the fullness of God's creativity by creating different colors and different accents and different backgrounds. So that's my why. That's why I'm here. Dusty, what's your why?
1: Yeah. I think that, you know, that's the soul search thing. Randy just spoke into it Like, you know, it's a soul search. There's that fear. Um, You know, when I saw both clips of of Ahmad and, Aubrey and, and George Floyd, um, and those murders, I literally went to the point of like, back when I played college football and I was the minority, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was, um, and I learned culture so quick. I went, I, I was the opposite, you know, it's so cool. Kind of like our childhoods. I was the opposite, you know, mm-hmm. I was the majority in my hometown of my suburban area. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I had, you know, three black friends, they all played co- football with me, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, And then when I I went from from playing high school football to college football, I moved into a dorm room with three black guys that were Mm. my teammates. And I learned real quick. I learned culture real fast. And I learned, I learned, I just learned about things I never learned about. And so then like what was really crazy was um, when I started seeing those videos, I immediately started doing the exact same thing you just said. Mm. I was, I could list the names, you know? the the Roland Thompson's the Antoine Dyer's the Johnny Johnson's the Isaac Normans the Mm. Terrence Scott's like these were the names that like of of teammates that I played with I go oh my gosh like this could be them any moment and Mm. it broke like it literally broke me um and I, I think I had I had felt that the whole way through but then all of a sudden like if if we're still talking about the Enneagram stuff like as a seven I don't feel things very well mm-hmm. and all of a sudden finally I felt all of it all at once wow and um now I, I sit in this space as like a spiritual burden I told my wife I said hey I just want you to know who you're married to mm. like this is a spiritual burden and I, I'm never going to look away again ever mm. and um you know I I, I reference two two things uh richard sherman who plays for the 49ers literally said conversations cultural conversations can happen in the locker room because of the the diversity that's in that space mm. people's different worldviews. people come from different upbringings, bringing social statuses these people can have these conversations and and I remembered those conversations and how subtle they were in some areas in college and how direct they were in Mm. some areas of college. Um, But then I also referenced a clip that, that, uh, you know, boss had sent me um, from Darius Daniels uh, Mm -hmm. message uh, Mm. at at the Vose conference, uh, Rue conference. And um, you know, he said, he said a line in there that I think that we all need a reference Uh, And that we all need to like really soul search on as he says, if you, if you make this about an issue, Mm. you can walk away from an issue, but if you make it about people,
0: Mm.
1: you can't walk away from people. And I think that we, that's where we have to be is Mm. it can no longer be an issue. Everybody we cannot just make this another issue we have to make this about people. And that's who it was for me is those names. I mean, I can list off a hundred more, but it became about people. Mm. And then at that moment, I felt all of it all at one time.
0: Mm. Mm.
1: Wow. Mm.
0: That's good. That's really
1: good. So, so all that being said, I think that we really need to sit back as leaders, and, and and I tell people this all the time. Well, you're like, well, I'm not a youth pastor. I'm not that you're a leader somewhere. Mm. If if you're not a leader anywhere, you're a leader in your home. Yep. And uh, men or men, you know, if you're a parent, you're a leader instantly. Like you, right. this is your role. Um. So whoever you're leading, you need to start. We have to, we have to soul start to ask those questions of why am I feeling this, this way? Hmm. And when you can identify that, that it gives you power to know that when those people start, when you start seeing all those followers start to drop off, when you start to see the those comments that come in,
0: mm.
1: when you know your why, those things don't phase you.
0: Mm.
1: When you know your why, those things are just going. That's just that's just noise.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and I want to say just that's the soul search. Is that, is that deep identification of why you're feeling it mm. the way you're feeling it now.
0: Mm. So we're talking about why. Maybe you're asking why this is even a youth ministry topic. Yeah. Why is this pertinent to our lane of youth ministry? Yeah. There... um the fact is, is that this generation, the Gen Z generation, is the most diverse generation ever. Yep. Also, we are dealing with and we get we have the privilege to walk alongside of and minister to a generation that has access to everything. Yep. Every piece of information. And they can access every worldview and multiple worldviews every single day, multiple yep. times a day. If we are not in a space where we, are, we ourselves are learning about other worldviews and other backgrounds and other um, perspectives yep. to sharpen us, then we will not we will lose uh credibility with this generation yeah and so um here's here's another segment from Randy um, as he kind of talks through this, and a little bit of a challenge um, for for all of us
2: It really comes down to our discipleship issue that we have in the church today. Mm. We create these grand discipleship programs and I'm not trying to fault any of them, but we tend to lead from transactional moment to transactional moment.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: I'm going to try and change my behavior. I'm going to try and change my action. I'm going to try and change my thought process. I'm going to try and change how much time I spend in the word. Transactional moments. Until we get past transactional moments to transformational life change, a depth of true discipleship, will we really change?
0: That for me hits home, and I I would imagine it hits home for for you too, Dusty, that um, as we've been in spots of youth ministry where we have planned and we've put in a ton of effort and we've hoped and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed that the moment that we planned for would make a change, really it created a high and it created and then we came down off of that high and things kind of normalized or they, they not normalized, but they, um, plateaued and, uh, possibly even declined a little bit. And it was a very transaction moment. And like Randy discussed, we're talking about transformation. Yeah. It's once we get rid of, once we finally name the why and we name what's been holding us back and keeping us from getting to where God wants us to be and where he's preparing us for, until that moment happens, transformation's not going to happen. Yeah. It's that moment when you realize, oh, this isn't a hurdle that I need to get over. It's just that I, I've, I'm still holding on to the thing that's been dragging me down. And I need to let go of that. I need to name it and I need to ask for help. I need to ask for forgiveness. I need to repent. I need to lament. I need to all of these things and that transformation will begin along that journey. So that that's what stood out to me when when Randy said that.
1: Yeah, I I think the key word that he said is discipleship, and this is probably the trigger. This is your trigger if you're a youth pastor or pastor at all. Hearing this is when he when he starts touching on your discipleship program. This is when you're probably like, oh no, (laughs) yeah, right. And and you and if and I'll just be bold enough to say, if you didn't get triggered by it, maybe another question of why. Because here's the moment is the moment we have to realize is that we, we do make all these plans mm-hmm. about how we're going to reach students. But if we're not, it, it, if this truly is the most diverse generation to come through, that we're all have the, the privilege to lead and the honor to be in the kingdom of God, to, to be preparing the next generation. Here's the deal. If we're not willing to learn another worldview Another social class, another way of thinking, another point of view if we're not if we 're not doing our work mm-hmm. on those things, when these students come and they they drift into your uh, youth groups or your environments or your events they 're going to know it instantly that you have no idea mm. what they deal with mm. and, and imagine just imagine the messages and the, imagine the the prayers and the transformation of lives that will happen because you're willing to do the work that maybe wasn't always just reading the Bible every single time. Right? Like, Mm -hmm. let me, let me like, let me frame that before someone starts to zone out on me. We have to be studying the word, right? As, as pastors and leaders, we should be studying the word, but then what are we supplementing to know about our neighbors? Mm Right. Right. The word says to love your neighbor as yourself. If you're not going to study the culture in the, which the, that is around you, you're not really caring about what your neighbor's gone through, what, what kind of cultures are coming into your church, what are right down the street. How can you really love them if you're not willing to understand Mm -hmm. them? And so sometimes we have to, as we read the word, we have to go, okay, now how can I learn about this over here? Which means maybe I have to read different books. Um, I saw, I saw an amazing thing, um, uh, post that almost all of the the books out there that are written about, um, racial injustice and just ways to learn, right. Like on Amazon are all like sold out, which is, I, <laughs> is exciting for me. It's exciting right. because that means there's an, a generation that's ready to learn. Mm-hmm. There's a generation that's ready to learn. And if we're ready to learn, I think then we can have transformational moments. Hmm. Then change happens from learning, right? Like hmm. James says, we have to be quick, you know, quick to listen, slow to speak, right? And so then, that, then in that process, learning happens.
0: Hmm. Where do we go from here? Well, we stay in this space and we keep having conversations and we're going to continue to have conversations that are going to propel us into action if it hasn't already. Um, I encourage you to stick with us. Um, We've got several conversations lined up um, and even potentially trainings lined up uh, that will help us be better uh, as we not only, not only better as uh, youth leaders to minister to students, but better as people and better as followers of Christ and better leaders and better people in our homes and all of the spaces. It's just an all encompassing going to make us better. And so uh, we know that this is not the end. We know that we, um, this wasn't the only conversation that needed to have. And then we move on. We're not doing that. We're going to be in it for a while and we're going to be in it for the long haul and we're going to keep going. Um, so Those are some things. Um, so this isn't the end. It's just one of the, one of the beginning conversations that maybe you're going to be listening to that we're going to be having. And, um, yeah, thanks for being with us. And, uh, again, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, do that, share this with somebody, um, write us, comment, all the different things you can reach out to us in multiple different ways. Um, We'd love to hear from you. Love to hear your take. Good, bad, all of it. Because we wanna have conversations with you too. Um, So thanks for being with us. We'll catch you on the flip side. Peace.